Boston throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Back on coast to coast, Chris, my man, what's going on? How are you? The Suns are going to the NBA Finals. Who even saw that coming? We 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 didn't even talk about them in the beginning of the season. Man, I I'm still just in shock. Chris Paul is going to his first Finals. Devin Booker, obviously, it's his first Finals, and this this young Suns team are on their way to you know no asterisks here. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, maybe. But man, it's it's been a crazy end to um, the Western Conference Finals, and we're right smack in the middle of a, a crazier series. It's taken its own interesting turn with injuries, but I'm, I'm excited, man. Can't wait to talk about this, and uh, we're going to take a little bit of a bite out of the uh, upcoming draft. I'm very excited to talk about that. I've been daydreaming about this stuff all week, <laughs> but uh, let, let's go. I'm, I'm excited to jump into this. Yeah, I mean, Phoenix, just got to say, Huge respect to Monty Williams and the and the team and the spirit that he's built out there. First time in 10 years that they were just going to the playoffs and now they are headed to the NBA Finals. And I think you'd be crazy to back against them. That's that's the even the, the more outrageous thing. I mean, you got to look at them and think they they're probably the favorites heading in. They're the only ones that at this very moment that are 100% healthy. And they've got their guys playing some of the best basketball that they've played all season in, in postseason basketball. And that's, that's the big ticket. The, the way, the way that the Suns closed out the Clippers was that, that was really the convincing thing for me. Um, man. I mean, the Clippers are playing with house money being down three, one Paul George is erupted. Reggie Jackson just, I mean, we got to give these guys credit. I mean, we still weren't sure even as they were down three, one, you know, they still might have a chance especially the way they've been playing. Um, but the Suns, I mean, they they pushed on, getting as high as a 26-point lead, and they just destroyed the Clippers. I mean, say, say what you want about um, Zubats being out, of course, that, that was that was a big issue for them. Um, obviously, Kawhi being out was the, the more overarching issue for this team. But, I mean, they played their hearts out, and the, the Suns, they play with the confidence of a dominant team. I mean, I even if Kawhi is out there, I think I'd still give the Suns a chance in the series just with how competitively they've played on the defensive end. And when Chris Paul plays like that, I mean, you, you saw in the Rockets how they almost beat one of the best teams of all time in the Warriors. I mean, he he's finally getting to the place he's deserved to be for quite some time. Yeah, I mean – Chris Paul, he, he, he reminded me why I stay up to 5 a.m. watching basketball. I mean, a career-defining a career defining game, and he would not let himself or his team be denied 
Uh, obviously, the 41 points, eight assists, three steals. But the biggest thing came when the Clippers closed it to seven with 143 left in the third. The crowd were starting to get into it. They go into a timeout, and then out of that, CP3 goes and scores 14 of the next 16 Suns points without missing. And that was the that was ultimately clinched the game. I mean, he had 27 points scored after there being one minute 30 left in the third quarter. That's how that's how good he was to close out that game. My, my favorite little tidbit of that game was um, Jay Crowder talking about uh, the the game clinching performance CP3 had, and how he kept going up to Chris Paul and kept saying, "Can you taste the win yet?" They're up 16. Chris Paul's like, "Nope." Up 20, ask him again. Chris Paul's like, nope. Up 26 with two minutes, two minutes left. And he's like, Yeah, I think I can taste it now. There's <laughs> just the he he's just been so hyper focused on this moment. And I mean, he did not fail to deliver. Um, and man, he's gonna have his critics. I'm 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 still not a huge fan. I'm not a huge Chris Paul fan. I probably never will be. Uh, I still can't get over all the flopping, man. I it's it drives me nuts but this we're not going to talk about flopping on this podcast we're going to talk about the suns making it to the finals we're going to talk about chris paul making it to his first finals and devin booker too i mean the toughness of this guy you know we we didn't we didn't give devin booker this much attention before i mean we, we looked at him as a uh, empty st- okay all right let's see I, I, was like, I know you did <laughs> but but it's amazing to see how the narrative is switched both on this organization and this young star um i mean and DeAndre Ayton too, for, for that matter. Um, I mean, so many narratives have been flipped with the presence of a star point guard like Chris Paul, with, with the presence of Monty Williams, uh, with the growth of these young players. And it's I, it's such an amazing story. Everyone's going to talk about, oh, AD's not in there, Kawhi's not in there, Curry's not in there. But seeing the growth of an organization that was better known for literal goat shit in their front office – just a couple of years ago. I mean, this is, this is an amazing turnaround. I, and I love it for these Phoenix Suns fans. I, I've seen every game this playoffs and that stadium and the oh, walking stick stadium, talking stick stadium. I always, I always mix it up, <laughs> but that man, that stadium is electric and you, you better not trash talk to fans either. Cause we know what happens. Oh yeah. We, we, yeah, <laughs> that, that'd be a, that'd be a grave error for anyone. But, I uh, can't remember any, any series, any, any playoff series being, Having so many fights posted, I, I can't remember that. That's that's never happened before. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's been impressive. Uh, even especially in, the, in these modern times, and you wouldn't think of that that being a, a, such a common occurrence. But guess what? Guess when Phoenix are involved, it is. Yeah, you, you go to hockey to watch the the players fight. You, you go to basketball <laughs> to watch some basketball and uh, the fans fight. <laughs> that's what it, that's a, that's what it, that's what it's come down to. But the main thing is still still the basketball. You mean. And it's kind of the whole story. I mean, you look at it as well. Monty Williams and uh, Chris Paul were together back when Paul was only starting out over in uh, over with the Hornets. And now you see them back together again. As Kendrick Perkins put it, he's saying that he didn't cheat and, and go to one of these super teams. Maybe none of these super teams wanted him. That, that could be another case for it. But you say he went to a team that were in desperate need of someone to lead them. And he has done that. And DeAndre Ayton's already said that Chris Paul is the greatest thing that's ever happened mm. to his career. He's clearly had a big impact on Booker. He's taken some of the pressure off him. He's allowed him to relax a little bit more. And he, it's it's just been so impressive. And you just have to say respect to Chris Paul. 
I can't imagine he really thought that this is where he was going to end up when he when he moved uh, to Phoenix. Hey, that's what he said. That, that, that he's he's always told the line that he's been pushing for a championship every time, and you know he's he stuck. He's stuck by it. Um, that that was another interesting quote from that night that a reporter asked him basically the same question. It was like, "Did you ever question whether you're going to get to this point?" He's like, "No, never. Just just never crosses mind." And you know that's the supreme confidence of of a guy who is and has been a star in this league for a decade now. And what's really funny, the funniest part about this, if you go back and you pull up any stories, you pull up any comment thread about Chris Paul getting traded to the Suns, I mean, it was just filth. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was saying that this is going to turn them into a contender. For the crazy people who did, I mean, you people were right. And you, you people should, I mean, you, you should deserve an award for standing by that because everybody looked at it like the Suns, like this organization, they're not going anywhere. They have some young pieces, sure, but they're, they're not going anywhere. And, and CP3, he's old, he's done. I mean, he's 36. What, what is he going to do at the age of 36? I mean, he's going to the finals. That's what he's doing. And he's bringing this young team with him. And man, I texted this to you earlier. I don't know if I was, I must've been, I must've been crazy watching the game, but you know, how high has DeAndre Ayton jumped up the player rankings? I mean, l- l- let's just talk for for centers. Like, wh- where does he, where do we even see him? Just in the span of game one of series one with playoffs this year to right now. I mean, he's he's proven a tremendous amount of growth in such a small amount of time. And for any of the teams that doubted signing CP3, I mean, th- this was it you just got the best out of your number one pick and I'm really interested to see where he takes it from here. Yeah. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Obviously we still got the finals to go. It's going to come down to, it's, it's going to come down to a mental side of, it. I mean, he's playing with, uh, with, with so much confidence at the moment, but the finals are, they're a different, different kettle of fish. I mean, who knows how, how certain players are going to react when they're put in that situation. You hope, Obviously, it's going to be weird for for Paul as well. It's going to be his first time in the finals. How is he going to cope for that? Is he going to be the same kind of calming influence he has been throughout the whole season? Is Monty Williams going to be able to group the team to to really just kind of not think about how they're kind of playing in what could be the defining series of all their careers? And that's where the mentality comes in and what what way this Phoenix team can uh, can work around it. That, that 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 could be the difference between them winning and losing, especially going up against the Hawks or the Bucks. They're also going two teams that don't have much experience of going to conference finals or NBA finals. So it, it's kind of an even playing field, which is fun. Yeah, I, I love it, and we'll, we'll talk about the Hawks and and Bucks in a second. But that that we know that no matter who they're going to face, it's going to be a fresh scene for both of them. Um, and just in terms of experience, I think Chris Paul is going to be just fine. Mm. And you have you have other calming presences there like Jay Crowder. And you, you know that they're going to bring that that leadership that they've shown all year long. And that's that's a really impressive part about this young team is that guy like campaign. I mean, this guy was almost out of the league and he's I, I don't know if he's playing out of his mind, out of his soul, whatever you want to say it. But he's playing easily the best basketball of his career. And you have obviously Devin Booker playing at the same level he's played all regular season in the brightest stage. And he's proving it now. And eight for eight to do it too. I, I've just seen too much confidence from them time in and time out throughout the entire series, even in the games they've lost, 
they've not crumbled in terms of their confidence and sticking together. And I think that's going to, that's going to be huge for them in the finals. Cause that's not something I can say about the Hawks and Bucks. They've had their fair amount of collapses and mm-hmm. I'll be at the Bucks. They, they did come in certain c- circumstances like Giannis being out recently and also facing the Nets, those first few games in Brooklyn, that, that was tough. Um, but I mean, the Bucks, they rely completely or the, the Hawks, but they rely completely on making shots and, from the defense that we've seen from the Suns this whole postseason, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet against either of these teams against the Suns. And it's crazy to say, like you're right. I mean, we're we're looking at the Suns being the odds-on favorite to win the finals, no matter what happens over the next couple of days. Yeah, and the best thing that they did is they made sure that that piece of shit Pat Beverly is not going to the <laughs> NBA Finals, and that makes me really happy. I mean that I that push was that. that push. <laughs> I know he's meant to be the villain that only only fans and te- fans of of the Clippers and teammates he's like but that's not he's cool not that that move there that just credit. shows he's got no class whatsoever I mean make a hard fail yeah that's that's no problem I have no, no problem with that but going up and pushing the guy in the back like that that just shows he's got no class and he just really isn't he really isn't a good person I know he I know he tried to apologize after I'm sure Chris Paul just looked at that and laughed dude I mean th- this guy I'm not giving Patrick Beverly, the time of day. I, I, I really, I'm really disappointed in myself that I ever thought about the the bull signing him because he's a Chicago guy. But, you know, I, I think, I think the league is sick of it. We, we saw a lot of, of Pat Bev being this, you know, when he had this underdog type of title to him, you know, it was, it was cool because we liked how tough he was. He liked how we got under people's skin, but you know, that the act is, is the act. And I think he's being exposed for what he is. And, you know, he's a great defender, but, he's an even dirtier player. And I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that the fan base will accept that anymore. I don't think he's going to get the love that he was getting before. And he's not even that type of player where you're like, Oh, I, I hate him on that team, but I'd probably love him if he was on my team. This is that he, he just doesn't, I don't know. He, he doesn't have that same sort of uh goodwill that you get from like a guy like Marcus Smart, who hmm. has that same sort of demeanor. He has that same sort of tactic and I mean, Chris Paul does it too. I mean, Chris Paul is flopping. Chris Paul is is making smart fouls and, and drawing smart fouls. But I mean, that the that push. That, I mean, that that absolutely spoke to the type of competitor he is. You know, he, he apologized. Apologized a couple of days later. I mean, that, that doesn't mean that 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 doesn't mean anything in terms of like how he's acted on the court all the time. I mean, this has been a consistent thing for the past past five years now. Yeah. Oh, let's just when now we can forget about him, but. Big thing is, Suns, they've beaten the Lakers, they've beaten the MVP, and now they've beaten the Clippers. They're going to the NBA Finals, but will they be playing against Atlanta or Milwaukee? We still don't know. The Bucks took a 3-2 lead last night. They were impressive, and a really impressive team performance from them. Both Giannis and Trey are out. Can this still go either way, or are we thinking Bucks and Six? Man, the way the Bucks played last night, that was. I got to I got to say, Bucks in six, no, no matter what. Um, if if Trey comes back, you know, there's a chance. But the way the way that his ankle looked when, when he was in warmups, mm. and the fact that he couldn't play last night doesn't give me a lot of confidence that he's really gonna have um, that quickness. He's really gonna have um, the physical advantage in terms of his speed. And if and if Trey doesn't have that, he he's he's not going to be doing what he was doing before. 
he's he'd, not going to be. He'd, he'd be coming back a bit like Harden, I think, if he if he was to come back. I, I I'd imagine. I don't know if I don't know if that bad, but the Hawks are going to live and die by Trey Young being able to beat everybody off the dribble, being able to get to his spots, being able to get to the rim, lob whenever he wants, floater whenever he wants, and he can't do that on an ankle like that. And I I think this speaks mostly for me the Bucks because I mean the Hawks were there. The Bucks played a mean, aggressive defense against them. They were in their grills all night long. I mean, no, nobody had any space, and they were respecting everybody's jump shot. Um, Bogdanovich, he had a fantastic game, but those were tough shots. I mean, he wasn't hitting any open jumpers. I, I, I can, I failed to remember a whole lot of open shots that the Bucks gave up last night. So they really had to work for that. But the fact that the Bucks had four guys over twenty points, Bobby Portis giving you twenty-two points. It's the most shots he's ever taken in a playoff game. And for him to get that opportunity, I mean, I, I love that for him. I mean, th- this guy is such a competitor. And Brooke Lopez turning back the clock, becoming Brooklyn all-star Brooke Lopez. And, of course, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, I mean, proving to you that they are those, you know, they're they're the bootleg Batman and Robin when you don't have Giannis around. But they were easily relied upon. And Drew Holiday, I mean, his, de- his defense, I mean, after this playoffs, there's going to be no question about it. And people need to stop questioning um, how elite he is defensively, because I mean, when he's, when he's going from John Collins to Bogdan to Gallo to your Trey Youngs to Lou Williams, I mean, he's defending everybody out there. Yeah, no, it's been very impressive. And the Hawks too. I mean, you look at the both times the Hawks, when they were minus Trey, a huge team effort, all of their teams came together as one and they ended up with an easy win. Obviously Giannis went down in the third quarter, but they were still winning pretty easy before before Giannis went out, and then the Bucks go in last night, and they're they know they're down their their talisman in Giannis, and they got four players over twenty, and they got Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis putting up their playoff career highs in points. I mean, that's just it's unbelievable, and it shows the unity about about these two teams. And I just think last night was just that that final blow to Atlanta, especially if they can't get Trey back. I mean, you look at that first game, they won that because Trey played out of his mind, 48 points, 11 assists, and they still only won it by three points. And then game two, the Bucks absolutely annihilated them, beating them by 34. Game three was another easy Bucks win. And then obviously the two games just talked about it followed. But the Bucks have shown an ability to build on wins and the Hawks have not, and that's why I'm in the same camp, and I'm thinking the books and six. Yeah, and the huge thing last night, let's give Bud credit. Um, their focus on getting in the paint, I mean, not, not just defense, but getting in the paint on the offensive end, you know, they had another terrible night, barely shooting, uh, I think it was 30% from three from last night. And they destroyed the Hawks in the paint. I mean, where, where was Clint Capella? John Collins looked like last year's John Collins. They shot 66% for 66 points last night. And for a team that relies on Giannis's ability to get in the paint and to create opportunities for shooters, um, it was definitely an adjustment for them. And Brooke Lopez, I mean, a, a guy who's been floating around at 30 feet all year long, to see him cut to the basket, to see him be a rim runner, I mean, that was awesome. That was awesome to, to see that adjustment and to see them uh, play PJ Tucker. Hey, you, you got a chance now. You can get inside. You're not just going to hang out at the uh, 
in the corner. Same thing for Bobby Portis. They gave their bigs a chance to to show that they can be dominant inside. Um, and that was that was a complete switch up because you know these guys are always right, stretch the floor for Giannis, stretch the floor for Giannis, and now they have a chance to to switch things up. Um, really impressive for a team that's been maligned for three, four years now for being unable to make any adjustments on the fly. And they made a massive adjustment without their best player, without their MVP. I mean, lo- losing, losing any player in the playoffs is huge. I mean, it's crushing. Um, but losing your MVP best player on your team, that's, that's hard to come back from. I think we would have, we would have given the bucks a break here if they collapsed and they lost. Honestly, I, I I don't think we'd be sitting we'd be sitting here complimenting the the Hawks and giving an asterisk that because they lost Giannis. But instead, we're we're here talking about how dominant this team was, coming together and beating a Hawks team that, you know, the night before. I mean, they they got smacked. Yeah, absolutely. And and they they, they uh, you have to just say that uh, Coach Bud just just out coaches opponent. I don't think the Hawks were ready for that change that they made with, with uh, Lopez becoming a bit more of a rim runner and scoring inside. And it caught them cold, and they were not able to make the adjustments during the game to to recover. And that was ultimately the, the, the dagger blow because he, he, he was the top point scorer. He was the difference maker overall. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's – you almost felt like they weren't, they weren't expecting – Lopez on the on the back end as, as a cutter like on any of those plays it was just something that they probably haven't seen like all season so to, it was awesome man to see Brooke have a, a night like that that's the, um, it was like the Hawks were literally like okay they don't have Giannis so they're gonna play the exact same way only without Giannis nope <laughs> yeah I I want to I want to think about what this this series would look like if if both teams were completely healthy it's it's just another it's it's a tough thing to see both these teams without their best stars because I, I think this would have been an awesome awesome series to see both of them go up against each other and if you had Hunter too in the series, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think as a team we're gonna see that the Hawks live and die by Trey. Yeah, you're not you're not gonna get a, a a Lou Williams like that every single game, and I think that they just don't have enough creation outside of Bogdanovich to make it work. Kevin Herter, he's going to have to go crazy in order for them to survive this next game. But the way the Bucks are playing defense, man, even scoring inside, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, no. And I think the Bucks have, uh, they've really impressed me. I think full health, I think I probably would. If we're going to do this series from the beginning and both teams were 100% healthy, you probably, I probably would have said books and six. I think getting over the nets was so huge for Milwaukee and the way that they did it, it just makes me kind of thinking that this is going to be the books year. This is the best chance that they've had to go all the way. The pressure's on, the pressure is especially on Coach Bud. He needs, he needs this, he needs this win this year. Yeah, this team definitely needs it. Solidify his, his career and solidify his standing as an NBA coach. And after getting by Brooklyn, I, I I just have this feeling. My heart says Phoenix, but I just got a feeling that this is Milwaukee's year. But if Giannis can't come back, that 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 might change it. That was what I was gonna ask, and um, we didn't even touch on this, man. When we were, when I, I don't know if if you were able to watch it live, you had it recorded, but um, man, I I jumped, I like jumped out of my seat. That was mm-hmm. that was a terrible injury, and all I can think, man, I was getting flashbacks of the Derrick Rose ACL injury. And like the 
immediately the first thing I'm like thinking is okay this season is over mm. and then I'm thinking well next season well maybe his career I mean I'm thinking about it if Giannis has a traumatic I mean that the way that his knee bent easily could have been an ACL MCL he, he could have blown his whole knee at easily easily and that would have been a major blow to his career I don't think we'd ever see Giannis the way Giannis is if he injured his knee like we thought he did I mean the way he takes his long strides the way he jumps the way he lands on on one leg and just everything about his mechanics like he wouldn't be able to be the same player again and that would be the death of that organization that would be the death of his career and like I said that that gave me the Derrick Rose flashback and I I'm so happy to just see that he's he's not hurt but and it's got to scare the organization to put him back out there, even though he technically doesn't have any structural damage. Like the the soreness he has, and and I don't know if what the risk of re-injury is. Yeah. I'm sure the team's going to monitor that, but that's going to be to be a tough risk. I mean, you risk it all for a championship, right? Yeah, that's going to be the big I mean, thing. The team's going to have to make the call on that. They got to they're going to have to protect their player. I know it's going to yeah. be tough to not have their best player on the court if it's possible heading into the NBA finals, but if it's probably, if, let's just say, let's say if it's 60% chance that he could re-injure it, you, you can't, you, you can't, oh, you no. can't take that Absolutely risk. Not. They have yeah. to, they have to do right by Giannis. You know, Giannis is going to want to play. He's a, he's a player. He's going to want to demand to be getting out in that court. It'll be heartbreaking for him if, he, if his team's in the finals and he's not there, but the, the, the organization needs to monitor this and make the right call and do right by, do right by Giannis to, it could ultimately save his career, really. Man, that's that's gonna be tough, man. I mean, yeah. let, let's think about this. So, say say Bucks Bucks lose next game, goes to Game Seven. Does he play? If it's if it's fifty fifty, he shouldn't. That 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 be my as problem. as a. As, as an organization, so then... As right, the organization, I, I like... Yeah, you'd wonder. It, it, it's, it, it, it'd be the ultimate. It'd be such a big call. You'd ultimately have to respect it, but at the same time, you'd be like, are you guys crazy? I mean, even 50% Yanis, get him out there. It, 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 I can't... I wouldn't want to be in that position. I wouldn't want to be the one making that making that decision, but hopefully over the next few days, they keep modern... modern uh, Monitoring it, and hopefully they have a clear idea of, of what the chances are of re-injury and what would happen if he if he goes out in the court and he's playing at, at 100. Yeah, and th- think about one more thing here. So say say they make the decision, you know, with, with the team doctors, okay, Giannis, you, you're, you're not good. And then the, the Hawks somehow, they, they pull out a win. And the Bucks don't make the finals. I mean, that that's something Giannis would carry – with him forever yeah he would care he would carry that with him forever you know it's one it's one thing to be to be a bad front office and not know how to how to work a a sign and trade and to basically be at a dead end with the roster that you built i mean that's that's already one thing but for you to prevent Giannis from competing for the one chance that he has to maybe win a title here that would be unforgivable for him I, I think if, if Giannis wants to play, he's going to, he, they're going to have to let him play. 
Oh yeah, I, I think they're 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 gonna be doing well. If if there's a chance, if if he's able to get out there, there's I, I would be shocked if they don't get him out on the court. I just hope that if he does get out on the court, let's just hope it's all. I just hope it's all good. That's that's the main thing. I just fear that it, it could. He, he's got like the bit of frailty in it, and that's the only thing. I I just be worried that we might might lose Giannis, and he might lose some of the best years of his career if he was to go out. Absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully, he can come back. And be at 100, and we get a good, honest finals with no injuries. That's yeah. that, that's the hope. Well, it, I I want to want to dig this deeper because I'm I'm just thinking about how it's going to go, and I think more realistically, it's going to go like we said. I, I I have faith that the Bucks are going to make it. So, game one, Giannis is out. I I think uh, I, I I put my money on it that I don't think the the Bucks are winning a game against the Suns without Giannis on the floor. That's that's a whole different ball game for me. So, game one, Giannis still getting rest. Bucks take that L. Maybe they maybe they take two L's. When did, when does Giannis decide to come back? I mean that's that's gonna be that's gonna be on his mind the whole time because they're not winning that championship without him either. Yeah, this is gonna be tough. Yeah, it's gonna be tough, and that's where it all comes down to. That's uh, Chris. Is Chris Middleton really the Batman? That's been the talk of the town the last uh, the last week or so. Is Chris Chris Middleton is is really the Batman and uh, Giannis, Chris Giannis Middleton's is the space? You know, if 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 Chris Middleton's Batman, then like what what is what is Giannis like Zeus? Like that's, <laughs> that's that's a shitty comparison. I hate that, but it's it's all over Twitter, I guess. So, um, man, are are we ready? Can we can we talk about draft stuff? I've, I've been waiting. I, I gave you your your near 30 minutes here of actual basketball talk. We got the actual basketball talk. We'll take a little break and then we'll come back and we will talk all things draft lottery. Yeah, you. You listened this far, whether you fell asleep, left your phone in the other room, or maybe you liked what you heard. So please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get our content every week. In the Christmas spirit, we are doing a special giveaway for our day one listeners, and all you have to do is be subscribed to the pod, follow us on Twitter at CoastNBA, and Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast for a chance to win. Now, back to the pod. The 2021 NBA draft. This has been uh, quite an exciting time for many years for uh, the Knicks fans out there, the Bulls fans out there. And uh, we've had plenty of time to experience it time and time again. Um, unfortunately for this year, I was not able to make any crazy predictions for my Bulls as we heartbreakingly lost our eighth pick. I'm over it now. I'm, I'm over it. Um, 
But now what I have left is excitement because we have a consensus top four, um, a loaded draft class. Um, you know, you might not have stars outside the top four, um, but you have a lot of a lot of potential and you have a lot of guys who project to be great role players. And, you know, the as the NBA has become so competitive and young talent has continued to emerge, um, this is just another great night of um, new opportunities and, and new storylines as teams are, I think, kind of have a lot of movement. I think this might be one of the busiest draft nights that we've seen in a while with a lot of different teams trying to move up, move down, move out. And, you know, what we're going to try to do right now is we'll do We'll do our best to try and figure out what moves might happen. Um, if a player is picked at where he's projected, if, who's, who's he going to fit best with? What, what team's going to try and get that guy? And uh, we're probably going to be 90% incorrect, but you know, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to throw our darts and uh, see where they land here. Um, so why don't we just start from the top, man? The Detroit Pistons have not had a first pick in a long time. They, they have not had a serious talent in a long time. They haven't had a cornerstone in decades. So what's it going to be? Are they going to pick here? Do you think they're going to trade down? A lot of people are just saying they're going to stand pat and take you-know-who. They were, they were, they were, they were interesting. They, they got the talk going when they – when they found out that they won, they had won the lottery. When they were kind of, they basically just put it out there. We're going to explore all our possible options. We're going to be thinking. Yeah. We're going to be looking at all possible deals. Let's be real here. Cade Cunningham. He's a point guard with the body of a power forward. He is primed for the NBA. And regardless of how his career may pan out, if the Pistons decide to trade this pick. I think it would go down as the craziest decision in NBA history. I disagree. Really? I disagree. I, I, so I'm, I, I really, I really think that I love Cade Cunningham and I think he's going to be a fantastic player, but I, I think that, you know, a lot of people are, are over, are really overestimating what he's going to be as a player. You know, Cade Cunningham is an amazing playmaker. Absolutely. Um, he's not a, he's not a creative playmaker. He's, he's a very, he's a very fundamental playmaker. I mean, he's not, he's not like a Luka Doncic, a Trey Young. Um, he doesn't have the handle that allows him to, to have a, a very creative um, play style, but he, he is a, a lead playmaker type of guy. And I don't think you see a lot of that similar in, in Jalen Suggs. So I, I think a lot of people are are seeing Cade Cunningham as this like, and I think it was after he was compared to Luka Doncic. It was literally people calling him the Luka Doncic of the NCAA. And then of course, since then people are going to expect something like that. I, I honestly think that there are other players in this top four here that have equal star power. I, I think Cade Cunningham is going to be, have the highest floor out of all four of these guys just because of his position, his already elite shooting, and his already, um, I don't know if I'd say elite playmaking, but I definitely say that his, he has potential to be an elite secondary playmaker. I don't think he's necessarily ready to be a lead point guard, but here's my big question for the Detroit Pistons is what do you project Killian Hayes as? Because Killian Hayes is being slept on right now because he did have a, a tough first season, but it's because he got thrown into the fire. I mean, he as, as soon as he was healthy, 
he was playing close to 30 minutes a game. And this is a guy who has the stroke. He has a, he has the free throw percentage to prove it. And he has the form to prove it. He's got defense. He's got creative playmaking. He's got a step back that, I mean, I, I have faith that that step back one day is going to start to fall. Cause I mean, if, if you look at his fluidity, he's, he's going to be a shooter. I mean, I won't say that he, I'm not going to say he's going to reach Harden's level, but his play style really, really reminds you of a Harden type of guard. And if the Pistons believe that Killian Hayes is that future heliocentric type Harden playmaker, I mean, what, what do, you, do you get the most out of Cade or, or do you have the opportunity to hit big on a guy like Green? And if you think you can hit, if you as the Pistons think that that Killian Hayes can be a heliocentric guard, then I think that you can take the value of trading down and getting a guy like Green, who I think could easily be the best player in this draft. I think Green has more potential, more raw potential than Cade. I mean, just from a physical standpoint, just from a a shooting uh, shot creation standpoint. So you know, you do the math there. If you, if you believe that Killian Hayes has that potential, then, I mean, I think you have a huge chance to build on that and trade down, get some more value out of there. I I hope people underestimate Cade. Like I, I feel you're, you're doing at this moment. I think we will see his playmaking come out when he's playing with some more talent, but at the same time, I, I would like to see him go somewhere that isn't the Detroit Pistons. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with that. So right, well, you won't, you won't like where I think he'll go if he gets traded. What way would you put it out? Would you maybe say Cleveland give the Pistons the number three pick and Colin Sexton for Ooh, the wow. pick? Would that be a, a deal? Oh man, that's, I, that's I don't, the talk. No, the talk is Sexton no, I, going. No, I won't. I won't do. I won't do that. If I'm the, and and here's how I'm looking at it, the Cavs have committed to Sexland, and you know I don't believe in the noise that's been coming out about Sexton, because because when you see the 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 trade rumors, they're just garbage. It's it's like it's Lakers Nation saying let's give you Kyle Kuzma and THJ for Colin. No, shut up. No, that's not <laughs> happening. That's not happening. So. So when I when I see trade trade deals like that, I'm like, All right, there's there's no real substance here. There's been nothing realistic that's that's come out. Um, but what's happened before is you know the the Luca and the uh, the Trey Young trade. Yeah, that yeah that trade down. You get a future first, and then that's how they're able to get both Hunter and Reddish in the same draft. Um, so I mean, I I think that the Pistons could absolutely make a move with the Cavs by you know trade down for the third. And next year's first round unprotected. That that's that's tough for the Cavs, but you know, if the Cavs want to start to get serious and they want to start competing, maybe that's maybe that's something you could stomach. And maybe there's some light protections on it, but I don't I don't think that I think the precedent's been set by the Hawks and the Mavs trade. That that that's a viable trade. And I mean, th- think about the value too, because like I said, if Killian Hayes, if that's the guy for the Pistons, if they think that they're going to project him out to be that that hardened heliocentric playmaker, I think they're going to value Cade less than the Cavs, who are sitting at three. 
and you know, you always say, oh, it's a good problem to, to be able to pick that high. But, you know, you pick green or you pick Suggs and that's tough, tough fit there. You, you can, you can draft Mobley. I, I think that's definitely acceptable for them. But I, I think out of all the players right here, I think they are looking at Kate and the Cavs will, in terms of team building right now, like Kate is going to be probably the most valuable player in this entire draft to them. And so, so he'll be that way for other teams as well. But the Cavs, especially being that high up in the draft, I think they're, they want to start accelerating the rebuild. It's been a while. Yeah. But you're saying they've committed to Sexland, but is trading up to add Cade Cunningham. Is that really committing to Sexland? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Kate, Cade, Cade's not going to be a, a fantastic defender at the three, like a Coro is, but to have Cade be a, another um, primary playmaker, alongside Garland and Garland has, has looked like a great playmaker. I, I think that, you know, he can be a, a lead point guard in this league. Um, and Sexton has done a lot better as a facilitator, a lot better, but I mean, Sexton is at his absolute best when he's has his nose down and he's trying to score yeah. that that's when he's at his best. I think even having, I mean, Sexton, even having to have responsibilities as a playmaker just takes away from that, in my opinion. So, I mean, you have Cade there to be a three-point shooting, playmaking wing. I, I, don't, I don't see that, how that doesn't fit there. And that, that's, a, that's been a huge problem for them um, when they're on the floor is that they just don't have enough shooting around them. And Cade brings that, and he brings an element of playmaking that will take that burden off of Sexton and take a little bit of that burden off of Garland, too, who's, who's a guy who I think will take – a little bit longer to develop than even than Kate. I, I think Kate's just going to be an immediate impact type of guy. That's, that's going to be huge and really fit along with those two. So I, I think, I think that's, that's a pick that would fit them as opposed to a green, as opposed to, I mean, a, a Mobley is, is kind of like a long-term, long-term fit. And I, and I think that'd be fine there. Um, and you don't look at Jared Allen and say, ah, we're not going to pick Mobley because of Jared Allen. I mean, you're going to pick Mobley, but Again, just the, the most efficient way for the Cavs to, to address this is, you know, put up, push all your chips in. You you believe in Sexland, then maybe you don't need another pick next year, but you need to have a guy like Cade. Yeah, I think the more the more you're you're making the point on, I'm starting I'm starting to come around a bit. I think that that could be an interesting move. Mainly, the main thing is me not wanting to see Cade in, in Detroit. I, <laughs> I think. But it would, it would that that would be cool. That would be an interesting if that was a move that were to be made. I think that that would that could yeah. turn out to be a clever move, kind of sort of similar to to a Luca a Luca Trey sort of deal. Yeah, but no matter what, the the Pistons they're gonna be they're gonna be a fun team. Mm-hmm. And Dwayne Casey has been a fantastic leader there. Um, and you've seen guys like Josh Jackson go there and, and really rehabilitated his game. Who knows if if that's even a, a young guy in that piston squad who who might start to to show things after being I mean he was a he was a, he was a top five pick, and then they got Jeremy Grant there, Sadiq Bay who's a rookie he's weren't he's looking like a future um, staple as one of the best three and D wings. Mm. Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart came on late, but I mean that guy looks like a stud. So whoever they pick here, I think you're right though. I mean I I definitely think the most likely thing is they just take Cade. But I mean, this this Piston squad is going to be um, a very. I, I think they're going to be a very talented young team, no matter who they end up picking here. 
And I know the, the, the number two spot, I know this is something you feel very passionately about. The biggest sigh of relief <laughs> on draft night came out of Houston when they did, they oh, yeah. held on to their pick. But now the rumor is that they are going to look to take Green rather than Mobley with that two pick. And that is something you do not want to see. Well, what, well, what do you want? What, what do you want them to do here? What do you, what do you think? I have my thoughts. I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking they can't lose with either Green or Mobley. I, I like both of these guys. I like the fit in, in Houston. The biggest thing with Mobley is obviously they, they've got Christian Wood there. I think they believe in him. But Mobley is like a he's a seven footer, but this guy's got versatility. I mean, he could almost he can almost fill in as as a wing player. That's how that's how athletic and, and that's how talented that this guy is. So I don't think that it, it would be a problem to have Mobley there with Wood. But at the same time, I know your point is about, about KP KP. <laughs> I know you think he he's good enough to to really show his stuff if he if he just gets the chance, but they've been working with him. They've been watching Green. If the talk is that they're going to go for Green, they have obviously seen enough to show that Green has got more potential than than KPJ, and it would be a mistake for them maybe to not get him and put their put their belief into KPJ. So. I mean, I shouldn't go. I shouldn't go too crazy about about Kevin Porter Jr. I, I really shouldn't. He's not. He's not green. He's not at all. But I mean, there's something there. I mean, that maybe I'm falling too in love with the uh, with the 50 point 10 assist game. <laughs> but you know, it's it's flashes that we saw in college. It's flashes that we saw in Cleveland, and we've known for a while now that he's a guy that you need to really invest in to get the most out of. Yeah. I, I honestly think that Kevin Porter Jr. is at a minimum. He's he's gonna be a starter in this league. He's gonna be a starter in this league. Will he be a star? I he he has the physical potential. He has the the ability as a creator, as a shooter, but I, I think he's still so raw that it, he's not there yet. But he's no more raw than green is gonna be. Mm. And I'm absolutely not making this a player comparison thing, but I, I guess you know, for an organization, you're always going to have to be pressed to get the best player available and then figure it out. I mean, that's that's always just the best decision to make. And you can figure it out between them two. But with Kevin Porter Jr., I think we know his his personality well enough that if you pick green, then you're automatically off of Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. You're automatically off. I mean, he's he's not going to do well with that developmental wise and he's not going to do well with that personal wise I don't think either um so maybe you just say you know it's fine you know, Kevin Porter you can figure it out elsewhere but I, I think that they've I, I think the Rockets see him as a potential asset and I think Mobley I mean when you compare Green and Mobley I, I think both these guys could be absolute studs I mean I'm, when I see Mobley I don't see that same fire I don't see that same that same uh uh, competitive spirit and that dominance that I saw in Kevin Garnett. But when you talk physical ability, I mean, I you you can't deny the physical comparisons between Kevin Garnett and Evan Mobley. Hmm. And Evan Mobley is going to be the, the kind of guy willing to shoot the three. Um, his limitations always going to be his his mental and how aggressive he is. But man, if you if you invest in Mobley and Kevin Porter Jr. develops into something. 
then I think you got yourself a uber talented front court with Evan Mobley and Christian Wood. And a lot of people who are going to look at this pick, they're going to say that Evan Mobley is too small. And same thing with Christian Wood, they're too thin. They're going to get eaten up against guys like Jokic. Of, of course. I mean, I, I've seen so many people, uh, so many mock drafts going against Mobley to the to the Rockets because their defense inside wouldn't be good against the bigger bigs in this league. But who has been able to defend your Embiid's, your Jokic's? Like n- nobody. I mean, it's, it's what's the point? And if you Jeffrey. watch a tape of, yeah, exactly. And, and Aiden, but if you watch tape against uh, in, uh, in college, I think that Mobley's definitely held his own at his size. And, you know, that, that's just something that's going to come with time. And I think they're going to stand pat. And I, I don't, they're probably going to pick green, but I, I would love to see them continue to see what's there in Kevin Porter Jr. And you're getting an equally talented guy in Evan Mobley. No, I would agree. I think it's a, it's a win-win situation for the Rockets, really. I, I I think whichever way they go, I'm looking at Mobley. I'm looking at the impact he could have on this Houston team. And I know the big man is not the dominator in the NBA anymore, but I'm looking at him and I'm saying if they develop him right and he works hard, he could, he could be right up there having a similar sort of impact to the what uh, Hakeem Olajuwon had when he came in to the Houston Rockets. I know that's a huge a huge name to throw out there, but this guy is uber talented. He's got, he's a modern type of big that you need. And if he develops right, if they coach him right, and if he wants to be the best player he can be, he could have that sort of impact here in Houston. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to throw something your way by the time we reach the end of the end of the uh, lottery here. So just, just hold, just hold on to that thought. Cause I'm not sure what's going to happen to Houston here, but I've, I think there might be something interesting in the works here, but but for for the Cavs sitting there at three, I I think that they have a great chance to trade up, but I I think you might have a different idea of what they might do here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, more you talked about it, I've become kind of convinced that they could if they could make that move. Uh, I think that'd be a, a very smart one for them if they if they believe that that can work if 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 Cade at kind of the three can work along to, alongside Sexland, if the Sexland, the rumors of uh, them looking to trade Colin Sexton are in fact false, it's it's going to be an interesting one. That's kind of going to be a bit of a wait and see uh, on what what kind of how how ambitious the Cavaliers want to be, how aggressive they want to be. I'm not really sure at this moment. I'm I'm feeling like they're gonna stick and just and just go whatever they they can get. But I, I'd be interested to see if they would take Mobley if they stay at the three and the Rockets take Green. I'd be interested to see if they go for Mobley. Yeah, you, you have to if if he if he stays there and it just goes Cade and then it goes Green. I absolutely think that they have they have to take Mobley. And when you talk about Sexland, they're going to be happy with that. So mm. I, I think the Cavs should absolutely try and trade up for for Cade. Um, as should absolutely everyone in this draft. But <laughs> but I, I think that that's a fantastic fit. The and you're not gonna you're not gonna be too sad about you know the fro. You love the fro. I think the fro is one of the best um, rim rollers in the league. I think he's one of the best elite 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 shot blockers in this league but you have to invest in a guy who's going to be good alongside Sexland. I, I think Sexland still has a chance to be um, a good backcourt mm. 
even a playoff backcourt and you got to put something alongside of them and Mobley is going to be that guy and who knows I think that Mobley could play the four I don't know everyone's yeah. projecting him out, out, yeah, out right. of the center but um the way he can stretch the floor um you know he's not the most switchy defender but depending on on what kind of lineups you're facing I mean he, he could play a little bit at the four alongside Jared Allen yeah 100% I definitely agree that, that Mobley is not I mean, you look at the height and you look at it like where he has played, you you think you're kind of just setting him in. He's going to be the center. If they were to draft him, he'd be coming in to replace Jared Allen. But there's no doubt about it that they could they could work it, that those two could be on the floor uh, at the same time, and it could work really well for, for the Cavaliers. And anybody else you think? You think they might you think they might reach for anybody? I mean, what, what about Jalen Suggs? If they if – they... If they want to get, and, and this is where I think this gets interesting for the Cavs, because I haven't seen a lot of good Sexton trades, but I will say that if you told me that this is the best that you're going to get out of Colin Sexton, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't go that far to disagree with you. If, if this is the height of his value and right now you can argue, Hey, he's going to get better, but I, I don't know, maybe not. So maybe you, you do trade Sexton and you try to get the most value that you can from him and you take Suggs here. Mm, to say at the three, or are you thinking they, they, they trade down in, in a deal? I, I have, I haven't worked that part out, but I think if they, if they think that they're going to get a good deal for Sexton, if the market's really starting to percolate and they can get um, not, not future first. I, I don't, I think the Cavs, they're trying to push towards being a good team. Yeah. Um, if, if they think that they're going to get that with Jalen Suggs, Garland, or maybe you trade Garland, but maybe you trade one of the two there and with Jalen Suggs available, you know that you're going to get a lead point guard. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, no, that, 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 that's going to be interesting. I think that the, the Cavs are probably are arguably the most kind of interesting, uh, interesting team and interesting pick. Uh, it, it certainly, certainly in the the, the top t- six or seven, anyway. And that, that the, the the guard position as well. That's where I'm looking at the four with the Raptors. It all that's all going to come down to what happens with Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I don't oh, think he's, it, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. He's not okay. Well, no then, way. like no. Oh, way. As long as he's not coming back, then of course you're you're taking Suggs at, at the four. Oh I'm just God, thinking yeah. if Larry does come back, they're fairly guard heavy. Would they look to to Scotty Barnes or uh, or Kaminga? Yeah. If Larry was to come back, or would they just say, right, Larry's only got a, a couple of years left, and then we'll just take Suggs, and by the time Larry's out, Suggs will be be a top guy. Man, I. So I, I hope this this goes down with, with Jalen Suggs coming to Toronto because that is that's such a perfect fit. Yeah. When you talk to the top four, I absolutely love that. He's gonna come into a culture that that mirrors what he what he had um, in Gonzaga. You, you're gonna have a competitor alongside him in the backcourt with Fred Van Bleet. And Fred Van Bleet knows how to play with the lead guard. He, he knows how to share that. And Jalen Suggs in his own right, I mean look what he did in Gonzaga. He was also able to, he's not the best off ball shooter right now. I mean, that's mm. going to take time, but he's been able to play off ball. He's been able to share a backcourt with another guard and to have guys like OG and Siakam and to be coached by Nick Nurse. I mean, the Raptors are going to love this guy. He's going to be a perfect fit. And 
he's going to look the way he plays physical, the way he gets into the paint, the way he really competes defensively. I mean, the fans are going to love a, he's not a, he's not a Kyle Lowry lookalike in terms of, of play style, but in terms of his heart, I mean, he absolutely has that, that type of, that type of mindset as, as Lowry. So I mean, I would love to see him in this city in particular. I, I think that would just be a perfect match. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And I think at this point, it'll be tough for the Raptors. I mean, Larry was the league guard when they they won their championship. He's been so good for them over over the last the last few years. It would be tough for them to just um, and, uh, accept that he he's probably past his best, and the money they'd have to pay him now, it might just not be worth it, and just go for it and jump in and and take a new guard and take Suggs and, and put put a. Put all your belief into that guy. It'd be a tough call to make, but I think it'd be it'd be it'll pay off for them in the very near future in a big way. Yeah, we'll talk free agents at a later episode. But yeah. you know, Kyle Kyle Lowry just just talked about you know he wants to win another title. That's not him in Toronto, and he wants to do something that's important that matches with his his family and and his community. And I mean, like how that. How many other ways does he say I want to go to Philadelphia without saying I want to go to Philadelphia? <laughs> um, that that's definitely a place that will give him a long term deal. And I, I, if I'm going to predict today, that's probably what's going to happen. Um, but I, I don't think the I don't think the Raptors pass on getting one of these top four. They're they're not trading down, no. and it, it would it would take a a unreasonable deal to make it happen. The Magic. This is where things get interesting, man. And this is where where the draft really changes. With, with teams like the Magic, with teams like the Warriors, with teams like the Thunder, who have multiple picks here. Um, so at five, I mean, you got two really, really good wings here. Kaminga or Scotty Barnes. I, I, I think Scotty Barnes is going to mimic a lot of, of what um, you're going to already have in Jonathan Kaminga, so or in, uh, in um, Jonathan Isaac, rather. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that that's a move, but I think that the Magic are going to do everything they can to trade up. But, uh, I mean, who, who do you have them picking here? I'm probably going Kaminga. It, it's kind of it, – it, it's interesting. The Magic are in a, in a strong position given that they've got the five and the eight picks. They could make a move. Even with the eight pick, they could make they – could, they could still probably make a pretty strong move here. It's it's just when you're looking at the magic, you know they got time. They got time to develop players. They're still a young, inexperienced team. They're still a long way from even being a, a playoff contender in the Eastern Conference. Development of players is not a big issue for them. I think they will. I agree. I think they will try and trade up. But I think they get a guy like Kaminga in here. I think they've got the time to develop him. He will work hard at his game, become the best version of himself. And maybe by the time, if all things come together there, by the time they're ready to be making a push to get into the playoffs, he'll be right there as a key contributor in that team. Yeah, I, I think they're they're both they're both definitely projects. Um, the Magic are going to try to trade up, and here's here's how I see it shaking out. If the Cavs can't trade up to get Cade or Mobley, so if Cade goes goes one, Mobley goes two. I really don't think they're they're gonna take grain. I, I don't know. Maybe 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 like I said, they are gonna move off of of Sexton, sell high, whatever. Mm. Um, but if they if they don't, 
if they're really, really, and this is this is the pivotal question I think in this draft, which, which is interesting. How are, are the Cavs really that invested in in Sexland? Because that really hinges a lot of these moves if they're just really invested in building around those two guys. Um, because I think if they really are, and Cade's there, or I'm sorry, if, if Green is there, maybe maybe they would trade down for five and eight. Yeah, I mean, that, I think, that's. I think that's if, not, if you, that's if, not crazy. I, I think you would need to, the the magic would also need to give up, um, the the bare minimum second round pick, which you would scoff at, but maybe maybe a future first as well, um, or or another pick down that the line. Be, that would be huge. But you're thinking then that the magic would take are taking, taking Green after taking Cole Anthony last year, and they've got Marcel Fultz as well. I think are they they're having no no issue taking Green there at the three. Oh, absolutely. I, that would be a home run. Yeah. For that, they they didn't make it. This is this is, I mean, at the at the end of the day, what the Cavs are going to say. I mean, this is a four, this is a four man draft. You're not going to get any of those four. And there is a stark line between Kuminga, Barnes, and those those top four, and a pretty hazy line after that. Yeah. So, I think you'd have to to jump outside of the top four into the top four is going to take a lot. And six and eight, you're getting, or five and eight, you're getting Kuminga or Barnes, and then I mean so, somebody somebody like a a Butler, a Mitchell, a Kispert. Jalen Johnson, you're not getting both Scotty and Kaminga there. No. So they they definitely have to to trade something else. I mean, RJ Hampton already changed hands. I don't know if they could trade him again, but <laughs> they 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 need to give up something else as well. Yeah, no, that, that, that's gonna be that, that'd be an, an interesting one to kind of wait wait and see on. That's why that's why the Cavs are so interesting. The Cavs and the Magic are kind of the two main ones. They've got the kind of the, the interesting uh, maneuvers, like with the the Magic having the two picks. The Cavs, what's what do they think of their their original roster? And then you look at OKC at the six, and you're kind of like, what they what is again. their plan for this draft? What do they do? They want to get a player that they believe and they're trying to develop, or are they kind of? Would they be willing to trade down? Maybe it, it, it's kind of a weird one in OKC with all the picks that they have over the next few years. Yeah, they, they have. I, I just had to chronicle this because I always forget and it's so confusing. But all right, just, just listen to me real quick. See if see if you can keep up here. Thirty six picks over the next seven years. Eighteen first rounders. This year they got six, sixteen, eighteen, and then next year they got Los Angeles and Phoenix. I think those are be garbage picks. Um, they have Denver's top 12 protected, not really that great. Miami, they have they have Miami's, and then in 2024, Houston, it's a swap. And Clippers, it's top 14 protected. And then 25, they have Houston and LA's top four protected. So okay, maybe. And then Philly's pick in 2026, they have their own Houston swap, and then a whole bunch of weird protections on the Clippers pick. So long story short. They're first round picks, but you know, they're not, they're not like lottery picks. They're, they're not crazy first round picks. Mm. So quantity does not equal quality. Go talk to the Celtics about that. I mean, how many, how many first rounders that, that they had that didn't really mean anything in the end. Yeah. So learning a lesson from how the Celtics, I mean, they, they, 
I wouldn't say they, no, I'll say they, they squandered those. I mean, what, what did you get out of your, your Ojales? Yeah. What did you, what did you get out of your, um, out of God, I'm, I'm, I'm even forgetting his name here. They're, they're other young guard. I mean, they have, they have too many picks that haven't panned out and you don't want that for OKC. I think they really need to consolidate their picks mm. and they're not getting in the, in the top four. I mean, that's def- definitely not happening. No. I mean, the only way that happens, the only way they get in the top four is if they include Shea. Yeah. And they should not. I hope they don't. That would be a mistake for, for me for, for the most part. I, I, I really think I really like Shea. I really like the look of him. I know he obviously had injury problems last year, but I hope they, they commit to him and kind of try and build the team around him. And ultimately, if they're if they're picking at six, I think they're likely going to be choosing uh, Barnes or Kaminga. Yeah. And obviously, they're they're raw talents. They're going to need developing. But in Barnes, you got at this moment you're getting the, uh, an elite defender, and Kaminga, you're getting a real proper athlete that you that if you can build on right, if you can coach and develop right, he could become a huge talent in this league. And the situation they're in at the moment, they got to be willing to bring these guys in and develop them. They can't just be relying on all the picks that they have, that they're going to, they're going to strike gold. They got to be willing to bring in guys that are a bit rough around the edges, but that they know that they can develop. Yeah. I mean, they, they can literally, they could literally draft like the entire league over the next decade. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think that they, they definitely don't pick all three here. That would, that would be crazy. I mean, they, they definitely have plenty of players that they're trying to develop right now. And you just can't develop that many players on a team at the same time. You just can't. Yeah. Um, Theo Maladon was interesting. He looks he looks like a guy they want to keep in their rotation. Lou Dort has become a darling over there. Um, Pokachevsky, that's a guy that they – I don't know what he's going to be in this league he's such a, a unicorn, more than Kristaps ever was. Just being like a seven-foot small forward who could play make and defend the rim and shoot and, <laughs> and play pick and roll – that's a guy that's really interesting to me. Basley had a step back this year. So, so maybe Scotty Barnes is going to be a, you know, kind of a revamped version of Basley. Give him a little competition, maybe um, in the center position, a little murky. So they, they just have a lot of these young guys. They can't keep bringing in more young guys. I, I don't think maybe they, maybe they turn these over into a little bit of veteran talent or future, maybe even more future picks. <laughs> Give these guys some young, so a, a little bit more time. But if you stay where you're at, I mean, you're going to end up with Barnes. I think that's probably what's going to be. If everyone stands pat, you're going to end up with Barnes. And then with 16 and 18, I, what I really like about this draft, when you start to look about at the end of the lottery, you're 15 through 22, 25, I think you got a lot of guys who are going to be very good rotation players in the NBA. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's not that's not a, a diss on a first-round pick at all. I mean, to, to stay in the league, number one, I mean, that's the important part. That ask ask Cam Payne how hard that was until now. Mm-hmm. So guy like Butler, guy like Boo Knight picking at 16 and 18. Um if if they don't end up consolidating it, you know, they might also just be able to to build their roster and their rotation like that. That's what the Grizzlies did. I mean, they have a whole bunch of young guys who don't really play like young guys, and they're all rookies, sophomores, and at most three year players. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 an inter- interesting one to to look out for, and you and you love that you love that kind of feeling that when you're coming in into the draft, you're kind of thinking to yourself, "All right, I want to be I want to be the star of this league." But 
it's a huge deal to just become even a role player, even if you can be, and, and then the next step is being a consistent starter in this league. It, it's a huge, huge step that, that these guys got to be aiming to make. And you hope, you hope for the best, you hope for the best for all of them, and you hope that the teams give them an honest chance. That's the biggest thing. When a team drafts you, you kind of hope that they really want you there. They, they didn't just draft you for the sake of it, and they're probably going to be looking to trade you. They're not really going to commit to to developing you. That's where a lot of players can get get lost as well. And you hope that that OKC, the, the situation that they're in at the moment, whoever they're drafting, they're, they're, they're going to be willing to, to develop. Maybe, this might be another Cavs one. I don't know. This might be another Cavs one when I really think about it. Because I think the, the this makes a lot of sense to me. Because if you if you're the Cavs, like again, if you're if you're buying into Sexland, this is this is where everything begins. I, I think if they're asking a lot from the Magic, if they're like, hey, everyone wants our pick, so you're gonna have to give me you're gonna have to give me five, you're gonna have to give me eight, and you're gonna have to give me another piece. Mm. Maybe I think I think the Magic are like, you know what, we really like Kaminga. So we're going to stay there. But, you know, just like how Patrick Williams was a surprise player from last year, the, the fact that he went fourth, a lot of people are looking at Scotty Barnes. And funny, they're coming from the same program, Florida State. Um, looking at Scotty Barnes as that type of player. Like he could be, at the end of the day, one of the best players in this draft, if not the best, with his physical ability, his already elite defensive ability. So if the Cavs think that, you know, the way things shake out, they're probably going to be able to get Barnes at, at six. I mean, that's a guy that along with Isaac Okoro and Sexland, I mean, that Isaac Okoro and Scotty Barnes and Jarrett Allen, you're, you're talking in top five defense every year. Yeah, so that'd be a good combo. All right. If, if the, if the Cavs think that, you know, we can get a guy who's going to make, uh, Garland and Sexton better, and they're going to keep developing. We're going to keep developing a Coro. Then maybe that's that's a trade down for them, and they'd have to. I think OKC would definitely have to give up six, sixteen, and eighteen, and the Cavs are able there to get Scotty Barnes. Are able to get a couple more rotation guys on better deals, and you know that, that even makes more sense to me than the Magic moving up. Yeah, I think the the next pick, the number seven. I think that's a. That's going to be a definite Ooh. trade, in my opinion. Go, go yeah. stay. I think it's they have it's to a trade with Wiseman. I think to to try and get a a third star, not like not not a, not anything amazing, but I think they're going to look to to add a, one one thing I've seen is maybe looking to uh, to try and trade their number seven pick and Wiseman to bring in Siakam. That's one one thing I have seen, but that that's sort of. That sort of gauge of player, I think, is what they'll be aiming for with this with this number seven pick. They're definitely going to trade it. They have to trade it. Draymond Green has come as close to basically telling them, "You better not pick another young guy." <laughs> I mean, it's it's so clear that you know they want to win. They want to win now, and they have to win now. I mean, this is Steph Curry in his prime. Look how he played this year. This guy was an MVP. Didn't win it, obviously. Team success matters in that, but. This guy's still an MVP caliber player. And I mean, Draymond Green's sitting up there talking about how <laughs> he's talking about the Wizards and talking about how the these stars need players who aren't young and who aren't lottery picks. That's not what these guys need. I mean, Draymond's got to look himself in the mirror and figure out how to shoot the ball again before he says anything about Wiseman. But 
they they have to pick this. They they have to pick this for the fans. They have to pick this for Curry, and um or trade this. Sorry, the only trade that made sense to me because I've I've looked through a lot. I've tried everything. I've really thought it out because you you see some trades about Sabonis. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. Um, you see some trades bringing them Damian Lillard. That's not happening. <laughs> Jalen Brown. That's not happening. The Bradley Beal deal is still there. I still think that, you know, if the Wizards had a realistic plan to rebuild, because they do have some young guys. I mean, they, they have they have picks, they have young guys, and they, they could tank. Uh, that's still an option. I think they would do it. And this is this is actually one of the these these trade rumors that I, I've seen that made sense to me. It's like one of the very few. And it's a three-way trade. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Golden State. In order to get Bradley Beal, they would trade James Wiseman, the number seven, and the number 14 to the Rockets, who would give the number two pick to the Wizards, and the Warriors would give Andrew Wiggins to the Wizards. So the Wizards get the number two pick, Andrew Wiggins. So essentially, they just got the replacement for Brad Beal and Jalen Green. And they get Andrew Wiggins and still compete with that and you can still grow with a guy who you know could absolutely be a top scorer in this league just like Bradley Beal you just got younger you just reset and for the Rockets they got their big man and I I think that you know that depending on what what they what they think of the draft here maybe the number seven and 14 they could they could figure out another move there but James Wiseman absolutely could be a great consolation prize to get another two picks here yeah, yeah, I think, oh man, that's kind of blown my mind a little bit, but uh, I would say the main thing I put out on that, crazier things have happened. That That is a that is a realistic, crazy... That was your nice way of saying that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it, that that is, when you when you actually play that out in your head, like, think about, obviously Wiseman, it was a, it was a struggle for him this year, but he is still uh, a top two pick. He is still a guy that could become a serious player in this league. The Rockets, they're they're in a rebuild. They've got they've got some picks floating. They could they could work something. They could bring Wiseman in, develop him, play, kind of build the team a bit more around him, and he, it could have a huge impact on his career. It, it could t- turn everything around. I think it'd be a brave call on their part to 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 agree to that, but. Yeah, if the Warriors could make that happen, that would uh, that would be uh, very very impressive. And I think whoever's making that pick at seven, I'm thinking Moses Moody is the likely one there. You're getting a top, a potentially top level three and D guy. The guy's got a six eleven wingspan. This guy would be a, this would be a really good addition to a team. Oh man, I know you love you some Moses Moody. I think that's a reach. I gotta say, yeah, that's a reach. I, I don't know. I, I don't it's it's a huge and this is the tough part about when you as soon as you leave six it's all question marks because you got I think you got really known quantities in Moses Moody I, I think he's he's at his worst is going to be a good rotation player hmm. so I mean I think he has a really good floor so I mean for a team that needs to compete you could definitely get somebody who's gonna play very good defense be able to shoot the ball um, but I mean, he, he just, 
I think it's been painfully, painfully obvious that, you know, he doesn't do anything beyond that. Um, and we've definitely pegged some guys as, as one dimensional players because of the college systems they're in, but just based on his physical ability. But then you got guys like that too, like in, in your Franz Wagner, who I think is a little bit younger, who, who maybe still has time to, to develop more. Um, Jalen Johnson, Keon Johnson. Um, it's, it's all going to probably come down to, to workouts. I mean, this, this yeah, is something like, yeah. like your, your, your Donovan Mitchell workout, you know, I mean, that's, that's probably what it's going to come down to for a lot of these guys. Um, Cause you, that's, this is the area where you, you throw, you're throwing darts. A lot of these guys could be rotation players. It's pretty unclear who could even have star potential because none of them after six really seem to show it. So if the Warriors stay here, you know, maybe maybe they have the chance to, to build up the roster a bit more. But unless you have that blockbuster trade, they, they probably keep it, right? Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're not making the trade just for the sake of it. They're making that an aggressive trade to give themselves the best chance to – to fight for for another ring with uh, with Curry and Thompson, and we're hoping and praying that Thompson is uh, is able to to remain healthy and can come back uh, at a high enough level that they can they can compete together. Obviously, he has had two years now out out of basketball, but hopefully, he can come back at, at the same sort of competitive level that he uh, that he left the league at. So, for them. They're making an aggressive. They're going to do everything they can to make an aggressive move to give Steph another shot at a crown. Yeah, and if they if they don't, if they can't, like I said, if they can't get that that star player, um, as an organization, they need to think about the next step. They have to. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't know what Clay is going to look like. You have no idea, mm-hmm. and you know you want to do what's best for Steph, but you know, the move just might not be out there. And I, and when you look at it, even though it's a convincing Bradley Beal trade, like you're still trading for Bradley Beal. Like that's, that's not going to come easy. And that, I mean, when we're talking likely, that's probably not going to happen. So I mean, if, if they're picking here, sorry, Draymond, but they're, they're not going to, they're not going to pick Corey Kispert because he's going to be a solid guy. who's going to help you guys. I think they're, they're going to have to draft for the future. Yeah. And that's, that's just going to be something that, you know, maybe, maybe if Clay is healthy, they're able to, to make that work, but um, it's going to be a tough position. And, and a couple of the teams here at the end, well, well I, I think this is the two teams I wanted to end on, um, on a bad note, but the Kings and Pelicans, it's, it's an undesirable position at nine and 10 Kings again, miss the playoffs and just find zero luck in the lottery. Same thing with the Pelicans, zero luck in the lottery. Um, Kings are in an interesting position because I think, again, they just have young talent on their team already that they haven't figured out how to make it work. So it's almost like adding adding another question mark when you have plenty of question marks in your roster that you want to figure out. I think they're, these two teams are definitely teams that would potentially trade out. They're teams trying to get in. I mean, that the Bulls and the Timberwolves without their first-round picks, you know, it may be, maybe their team's trying to get in. Um, did who do, you, do you have any idea where, they, where they're going with? Because I, I think that I think if anyone's going to trade out, it's probably going to be these two teams. Yeah, you look at, you're looking at the Kings and you're thinking they're kind of looking for an athletic player that that's going to be playing, that's going to be uh, best suited to kind of play quick, fast basketball. That's what the, that's what the Kings want to do. 
that's probably why they'll be. Do you really know what the kings want to do? Nobody. No knows one really what the kings knows. Want to do. <laughs> On paper, that's what it. That's what it. That's how it appears. So maybe that's you should that's do. How it, that's knows? how it appears. So I mean, if they're gonna stay in, you're looking at maybe Keon Johnson. If that's the move for them, I mean, he, he set what was it the record for the the highest vertical? Oh my god! I mean, yeah, that was crazy. And like he, that, that that sort of thing puts people on notice. It, it's not not to be all and end all, but you so see that this guy is a serious athlete. And while like his shooting and overall scoring still needs a lot of work, he could come in and have an impact at, on this Kings team. They've got moves to make. The Buddy Heel thing is still way up in the air. The talk's been now for like a year and a half that they're going to try and trade him, and yet you hear nothing of any sort of move coming about. In terms of the Pelicans, I think they'll be hoping that Kispert is still available. I think yeah. if he's available, I think they're going to take him. He yeah. could like, it's there's a good chance he would turn out to be the best shooter in this draft. Like it's certainly yeah. on the cards. He's got the size and strength on defense to hold his own. He's not going to do anything Absolutely. impressive. I think he'll, yeah, I, I he, think he'll I be think a very he, solid I defender. I think he could be a really great fit for this Pelicans team. There's no need to overcomplicate it. They got to get shooting around Zion Williamson and they need a guy that can shoot the ball and also hold his own on D. And that's exactly what Corey Kispert is. And if you're getting him with a 10 pick, you've done a good job. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I I think you said it. You said it well there. Corey Kispert is, to me, when I, when I watch him play, when I watch his tape, he's Joe Harris with better defensive upside. Yeah. And and he's no slouch getting to the rim. He's, he's a 60, he's a, let's see, he's a 65% uh, interior uh, finisher. I mean that, that's that's really good in the in the college level, and he's gonna be more than just. I mean, could could he be Doug McDermott? Maybe <laughs> it could be, and that, that's the thing with these these first round picks. But he's a senior, and that gives me that gives me a little bit more hope that you know he's not only gonna be more mature and, and ready to compete, he's also going. He's he's a more proven product. Um, NBA game is a whole new level, but I think his strength and his his lateral quickness is sufficient enough to, to definitely play that level. And if they don't, I don't think they're, they're definitely not going to trade anything for anything significant with that 10th pick. Maybe, maybe there's, there's a move to be made there. They can it'd be interesting. You look at a guy like uh, Eric Gordon, <laughs> Eric Gordon, they, maybe they trade down, get Eric Gordon back uh, on the Pelicans and, uh, and get a couple of uh, Houston Rockets picks in the later in the draft there. But Corey Kispert, I'd absolutely have him penciled in. That would be the great uh, consolation prize for Reddick not working out in New Orleans. Yeah, I think obviously it's gonna kind of gonna depend what their uh, their new coach wants as well. Uh, that 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 could. I don't think it's gonna change too much. I think that's the most obvious thing. Zion is the future of this franchise, and you got to do everything you can to build the best possible team around him and Corey Kispert absolutely can be a part of that so i don't think that would change too much maybe he won't be on the board maybe someone might take him at the eight or at the nine but if he's there i think the pelicans take him regardless of what coach comes in because he he'd be a good fit around zion and that's what matters for the pelicans i want to hear i want to end with with an i was love ending with the knicks i I just want to i want to make you happy at the end of the episode now you guys got the 19th and the 21st pick what do, what do you want to do with that? I I am I'm really not sure. I don't see I I, I can only see I can see us picking. I, I can't really see us 
trying to trade it. I don't really know what we would get out of it. Anything that's like that's really going to change anything for us. I mean, the big thing we're relying on here is hoping to God that Kawhi opts out and fancies coming out <laughs> to New York. Stop! No, stop! It's this. It's sick. It's <laughs> sick. Enough. Uh, maybe Trey Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy might be an an interesting pick for us. He can add some shooting. I think that's 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 something we're looking for. We're, we're we're looking for guys that can that can provide consistent shooting. And I think with both those picks, I think that's the main thing that we'll be looking for. Yeah, it it'll be cool if if you can snag some. I mean, look what the Grizzlies have done. I mean, they 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 got their their whole team off of these late picks. I mean, the Spurs have done it too. And um, trust Tom Thibodeau. That's what you got to do. Trust Tom yeah. Thibodeau. He's gonna have two. He's gonna have two swings at. Um, a lot of guys who I, I think could definitely be good rotation players and to add depth to a next team that was already competitive, take a little bit of, of minutes off of your guys, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, I think that, 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 that's, that's a big aim of this offseason is to find a way to get, get enough talent in that they can, they can give, the, give, give, the, give the, the two top guys a little, a little bit more rest so they're, they're a little bit more durable, hopefully when we're in the postseason again next season. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think we can't we can't really go further than that. I mean, after that, it's just an absolute crapshoot. Who knows what what these teams are going to go with? And um, more of the story is how good is Sexland? How good can they be? Do the Cavs know how good they can be? And well, we're we're going to find out. And and that's going to be really the uh, the first domino that falls and, and makes everything go here. Um, but ahead of us. We we already talked about the the Bucks Hawks. Um, I think we're definitely <laughs> we're definitely splitting this in these two two episodes. Uh, this was not our our finest uh, time management of all time. So <laughs> if, you, if you're listening to this, you're, this is definitely part two. But um, we, we said what needed to be said, and we had we had we had some fun. So this is gonna get people thinking. That's all that matters. I lived every moment. Shot Absolutely, <laughs> that's the most important thing. You gotta live by those words. And I think that's a good note to end on. Guys, we'll see you next week. Peace out. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment